Prepare to enter the Elf Tree. Hi there, world. Hi there, everybody. And hi there, Joe. Hi there, Ian. I, I can't even. I can't even believe it. This is the first time I've said that phrase a number of times since the last time we recorded a show. Yeah, we've said it uh, seventy plus times. Well, we have, yes. But I just mean, like, you know, I, I talk about the show. I talk about this oh, former yeah. podcast that we had. Yeah, my roommate was actually asking me this morning. She was like, "What's the name of your show?" And I was telling her, and she was like, "What does that even mean?" <laughs> I was <laughs> like, "I don't know." But our .com is worth money now. Oh, what do you mean you don't know? You know what hi there means. Well, it's like hi there. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, exactly. it's like a, a salutation. A, a greeting, yeah, yeah a yeah. salutation, exactly. Exactly. But yeah. it, this is the first official time to say it since an episode that we didn't even actually release. Yeah, we had to like dust off all the uh, microphones, <laughs> all the cobwebs. I did. I, did. I, uh, I haven't opened that case in years. Yeah. Now we, yeah, I think the last show was, uh, was it early September? The last episode we did was September 6th, and it was episode 71, Hot Dogs and, and Heartbreaks, wow. with Casey Reed. That's so crazy, man. Yeah, I mean, we, we did record a second show, a 72, but, and I think I got like two-thirds or three-quarters of the way through editing it to the way I liked it, and then we just never were going to, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like we we recorded a couple things that we never did anything with. There, there's a there's a few. We, I mean, honestly, it kind of it kind of came downhill because at that point in our lives, we we both had other things that we were going to try and. We took a started. step back and we we're like, "Who are these guys? We were Who like, are these guys? Anymore? Hi, dare. More like, bye, dare. They've changed. <laughs> <laughs> They've changed. <laughs> I, I was thinking about this. I was like, you had ended up, uh, did you end up moving after that or before that? Because you moved down to Garden Grove, which is a, like an hour I mean, outside guess, of L.A. Yeah, I guess I had moved out there before. Because in 2016, like, the, take a look at the timeline of our shows. We go from having all these regular shows February up through the middle of March to 2016, and then our next show is not even until January 23rd, 2017. Oh, so we like... We, yeah, have, we, we have been a little MIA for almost four years. Yeah. I mean, longer than we were doing the show. No, but dude, a lot of stuff has happened since we last literally did a show. I mean, I, I was thinking about this. I was like... What happened in 2017? Yeah, I mean, it's it, there's a lot of stuff because we've 17, 18, 19. I mean, we've had mm -hmm. three entire years almost since we've done like real shows and really kind of touched base. So, like, run down, run down a list of like the major elements that have happened. You've moved twice. Have you had any albums? Um, I've put out three singles. Nice. Yes. Yeah, Under right. Songbird, Wildflower, Burnin, nice. and then a song called Pour Me Another. Forgive her. We were 
I did, um, and these are all, yeah, they're on Spotify, Apple Music, mm-hmm. all the streaming services. That's a big part of why we we pulled back from the, the podcast yeah. is because you were focusing on that. I had just got a job at MTI, so I, I had a more kind of full-time schedule. And yeah, it's it's a lot, man, to take to take on these kinds of projects. A lot of times people don't realize the amount of work that goes into, you know, putting a show out there. Yeah. We wanted to provide a value to our audience and be like, okay, is it just us shooting the shit? Or are we going to actually cover topics that are super interesting and, and people gain some sort of... Uh, new knowledge from listening to the show every week, you know? Exactly. I definitely, in the interest of of rebooting the show, as it were, I, I've done a lot since the last time we've done a show. Like, I did the Ultimate Reset again. Yep. I, and, to be honest, had the exact same results. With the exception of, at the like, the first week and a half, emotionally were very hard for me. Yeah. There were other things that were probably, you know, digging their hands into the the mix to make it a little bit more difficult. But I definitely experienced the emotional overwhelmedness that they warned you about. Yeah. More, the ultimate more reset so is a seconds. detox. It's yeah. basically a, a Well, they've heard. It's yeah. a couple episodes back. Maybe like in the 30s, something like that. Yeah. Cucumber pizza. This first week, they talk about how it takes your body through a, bu- a bunch of emotions. Yeah. So you're kind of just... It ah, did. It know? did. I have... I've, I've, uh, I've noticed a shorter fuse... Mm-hmm. on me it was great. intense had almost the same results you know lost the, the same weight had a very healthy feel uh about me and my skin looked wonderful yeah um i moved to the orange county with jen and then moved back to sherman oaks like dude we moved back to sherman oaks almost a year ago yeah which you're i like the new place a thanks. lot thanks, i think it's man. really cool but yeah dude the last time we did this like this was before i went to japan i went to tokyo yeah. Literally right after our show, like the end of that month. Awake or Sleeping played a show out there. Yeah. And then I shot a music video. You did. Which that was the first actual legit music video I'd ever done. And that'll cool. be that'll be on the website. Yeah. Yes. Is oh, it? Man. Is it allowed to be on the website? It is. Totally. Oh, nice. Okay. So it's posted. It's, it's a official. YouTube video. It's a, it's out on YouTube. It's called Owls in the Night. On YouTube. I ended up putting it out on my channel, but ultimately it's like you do with art what you do with it. You just kind of put it out there. Yeah. And then... Hopefully it takes off. Somebody likes it. Somebody sees it or it gets reposted or whatever. Right. And it's just kind of, you know, it's just out there, you know. And, and you know what, artifact. dude, in, in some of my experiences in life, it could be the thing that's been online for fucking 10 years and you've completely forgot about that gets you that recognition. You know, dusting off any of these shows is almost like we're uh, we're opening up Jumanji. Yeah. For the Ooh. first time in, in years. Without Robin Williams. Well, no, but with Dwayne The Rock and Jack Black and Kevin Hart and Karen Gillum, I can't leave out the, the girl yeah. in, the, in the movie. It was, they're doing a great job with that franchise. See, I haven't, I haven't seen the new, any of the new movies. They're so. good. They're very good. They are de- definitely different than Jumanji, but they're still set in Jumanji and they take place in Jumanji. That's cool. So is it um, in any way connected to the first movie or they, is it completely connected. like a reboot separate thing <laughs> connected in theory and in in you know yes they may like reference that they heard these tales of this kid who got stuck in the game for years and they were oh, okay, and obviously okay, you're like oh yeah that's the robin williams character and everything gotcha. like that but then they definitely do take it into its own realm yeah so so yes technically it's a reboot but they do a good job like they've learned from the last 15, 20 years of people doing reboots and it's like, oh, you don't give any sort of respect to what came before, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay, well, you know, if that's what you want, then then we'll start. Yeah. So they're 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 doing a better job with reboots and incorporating, yeah. you know, the fans' nostalgia. That's the one thing that I always have been bummed out as, as of late with like other reboots is they don't really 
talk much about the originals. Like when Jurassic World came out, like yeah, I did enjoy that because I love anything with dinosaurs. I just will eat it. I will go and eat it up like a T Rex. As he munches into some dino nuggets. I don't know. I just didn't. I wish there was more connectedness of the original Jurassic Park, but I know it was a completely different thing. You know. Well, it was and it wasn't. I mean, it's yeah. it's set in a world where the timeline of the original movies still happened. Right, right, They're right. just not bringing in... I mean, that's part of where I see Star Wars kind of failed. And Jurassic World's not necessarily bringing in Sam Neill and Laura Dern to play, like, major roles. Or right, Jeff Goldblum. Yeah. Like, they have their, their cameos and stuff. Star Wars, the fans got it in their heads so hard that, oh, my God, we're going to see Luke Skywalker and Han Solo and Princess Leia, like, come back and be stars of their movies again. And the studios making the movie definitely seems, now that the movies are all done, all three of them are out, yeah. it definitely seems to have been thinking, we should like evolve this story and find these younger characters. Because obviously we're going for a younger audience. So they, they tried to weave in where they wanted to take the franchise with kind of what came before, but they, they did it in such a weird way that the fans definitely felt as though the sanctity of the original three characters was not being respected. Yeah. You know, so there are definitely ups and downs about reboots lately. I mean, I also feel like even with a reboot, like the cool thing is, is yeah, like you mentioned it, like there's younger audiences coming in to see these films. Mm -hmm. And then my cousin who just moved to LA, shout out Chris, um, he had never seen Mandalorian. And so I was like, I'll watch it. And I didn't realize how much more he knows about Star Wars than me. Nice. And which I don't know much. I'm very familiar with the stories, but I'm not like, I just realize there's more dimensions to it that I don't keep locked in my brain when I watch the movies or watch the shows or anything. Me too. Honestly, people think of me as a huge Star Wars fan. And I mean, I've got stuff that, you know, you have a saber on your wall. I'm clearly a fan, but my fandom definitely has a, a pretty hard and fast line at the movies. Yeah. Uh, you know, I know nothing about most of the games, most of the books, most of the comics, or most of the series, with the exception of The Mandalorian. There was a, a point where Chris was like, oh, he, he mentioned one of the planets or whatever, yeah. or the town they were in or whatever, and he knew a connected dot from like one of the movies and other things. So there's like little dots you connect throughout the shows. And I see it and I go, man, I'm so like kind of lost in all of the stories. Because totally. even when they did all the new films... yeah. I didn't really pay much attention to them. I was very disconnected to them at this point because I really love the originals. Yeah. And then after that, I just kind of, I think the hype of it and then where I was at life, just not really, if I was a kid, I would have had a different perspective. Totally. I kind of detached a little bit. And I feel like the cool thing about these films is regardless, is you're just getting more content of whatever that subject is, which who doesn't want to go to see a Star Wars movie for the rest of your life, you know, like That's there's true. always, if anytime there's <laughs> one that comes out, we all love outer space. Everyone dreams to go to another planet. These are, they give you more of that. Yeah, exactly. I think that Disney's whole approach to the Star Wars universe since they purchased it a long time ago in a galaxy far, far away, mm-hmm. uh, has been focusing on and, and expanding our view of the whole Star Wars universe as opposed yeah. to very centered around the Skywalker saga and all the yeah. things that kind of related to that. And so Disney's like, okay, great. So now you've you've kind of established, in our view, this, the fringes of this Star Wars world that we're seeing from the perspective of Luke Skywalker. Mm-hmm. And now Mickey's going to take us and and like jump into a different galaxy of yeah, the Star Wars open world. open the whole like world. You know, because they, they just opened uh, Smuggler's Run last year at Disneyland. 
that's also something that has happened since the last time we did Hyder. I've yeah. been to Disneyland. Yeah. And I've been to Disneyland many times. Like I said, we lived very close. And it was the best way I can describe it is it was magical. It was something yeah. that I I kind of was able to relive childhood magic in a way that only an adult can really appreciate. So when you were a kid, did you ever go to Disney? No. That's okay, it. I wow. mean, I was 32 years old, 31 years old mm -hmm. the first time I went to Disneyland. Dude, so, I mean, I was lucky enough to go probably like four times with my family when I was a kid. Yeah. Maybe five. I don't even know. To Disney? Yeah. So oh, we nice. used to kind of go as a summer vacation. The first time I went back to Disney as an adult, because I was touring through, we played there. Yeah. Me and my mom, we went on these these rides that I rode when I was a kid. Yeah. That feeling was so bizarre as an adult. Like oh, sure. being in the space that's so much smaller now, you see it, you know, it's still magical because you go in, like when we did the Peter Pan ride, Yeah. you just see how it's all built and made. I love you know? that ride. So you start kind of noticing the actual infrastructure of the space you're in. Yeah. But when you're a kid, you're just like sucked into this animation you know immediately well having seen these kinds of things and events like i is going through the rides i can imagine what it looks like with the house lights on yeah totally you know, the work lights and everything and i'm like oh okay sure i get it yeah it's like what when the harry potter ride turned off and they turned all the lights on yeah i was right underneath the dragon you know when it's like coming through the roof <laughs> it's tainted and like, i'm just right like there. yeah i can like <laughs> see half the mechanical body i'm like oh yeah damn right it. exactly there is all of that but you know I I enjoy a good opportunity to suspend my disbelief. I That's really true. do. I really you do. You like that fourth wall being broken? Oh no, no, no. You're saying I like, you like being immersed in, in it correct. and not seeing the I, I like wall. allowing myself to be able to like okay, enjoy it as though I don't know what's going on. Yeah. But I mean I a lot of times I know what's going on. I know yeah. how, how stuff works or like what's probably happening here to make this happen. And yeah. Uh, sometimes I can see the strings, but I'm like, nope, didn't see that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, that sucks me out of shit pretty quick. It's just like, oh no. Yeah. Now I'm thinking about the process and the strings and yeah. Is there somebody up there? Like, I think, I think I count myself grateful that I can kind of turn that off. Yeah. You know, a little bit. Yeah. That's good. You've been to Disneyland. Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> like a little history of smugglers around <laughs> the way you came into the, so you've been to Disneyland. So, uh, <laughs> yes, I have. You know that it's got like different sections of the park. You've got like mm -hmm. Tomorrowland and Fantasyland and Frontierland. Definitely, yeah. Smuggler's Run is is another section of Disneyland Park. Okay. Uh, you know, so you like walk through Frontierland and around, and suddenly you're just like seeing all these rock faces, and so they've done a very good job creating what feels like Star Wars. You're like, holy shit, I'm in yeah. Star Wars. Okay, you know? so it's called Smuggler's Run. Oh, I'm sorry. Did I say it's called Smuggler's Run? Yeah. I thought oh, we were talking about Galaxy's Edge, yes, right? Yes, man. I'm, I'm wow. an idiot. Wow. You call yourself a fan. <laughs> You're so embarrassed. I, I'm, a little, I'm a little embarrassed. <laughs> Dude, no, so it's hey, not man. Smuggler's Run is the bride. Yeah, okay, okay. So I see. That's why Galaxy's I was so confused. I was like, what the fuck is that section? I've never been there. Smuggler's Run. That Smuggler's, sounds like no, mischievous. Galaxy's Edge is this new Star Wars land that they've created kind of like Fantasyland and, and Tomorrowland and all that. And it's set on a planet called Batu. Yeah. I've never heard of Batu. Yeah, what did, did they just make it up, or is yes. it going to be something in a future film or something? To my understanding, yes, they made up Batu in the effort of expanding the view of the universe. But you know, the park, they were like, okay, we're going to make this whole section of the park almost like it's a, a you know like a docking port, like a like a smuggler's kind of hubbub, yeah. uh, you know, city of in this Star Wars universe. 
And so they introduce all these different characters that are part of this universe. But you see Kylo Ren from time to time. You see all the stormtroopers. Yeah, so there's yeah. enough that's, that's recognizable. Mm-hmm. Um, at, the, at the same time, it's not Han Solo and Luke Skywalker's uh, Star Wars. Those days are over. It would be awesome if they could have done it were on Tatooine. Yeah, yeah, you know, or something more recognizable. I, I, I can't help but imagine there's a real reason why they didn't do that. I, I really liked Galaxy's Edge just because it is cool to see it. But I honestly, like, full on, I don't feel like it was big enough. I feel like I got through it really fast. There's, there's very little to do, see, observe, and like take in as far as magic if you're not there to spend money buying and making a lightsaber, buying and making a droid. Yeah. There's a lot of money needing to be spent to experience, I would say, at least half of what could be experienced at Galaxy's Edge. When I say that, like, oh, it just felt too small. Like, the park is badass. Like, it's so cool what they do with this stuff. I'm always blown away by it. But some of the details I feel were a little lacking. Like, you could tell certain things were fake. There's a part of Galaxy's Edge that you're kind of in a marketplace and there's a there's a restaurant in the middle of it all part of this real restaurant is not real and it's a giant like podcast racer engine they have it on full blast and it's used to roast the meat oh yeah that's the the thing i saw yeah 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 it's definitely for show it's not it's not really how they roast their meat but it's it's cool that that's how they thought of it and it's like okay yeah this is i can see this all in a star yeah so that was that would that's the exact thing that i saw that was like oh this could have been a little bit they could have masked it a little bit cooler i think maybe Part of what made it seem small to me was also the fact that out of two rides in the entire Star Wars Galaxy's Edge, one was not open. Oh, man. Smuggler's Run. Now I'm using it correctly. Yes. Smuggler's Run was the <laughs> the one ride that was open, and it's awesome because you get to sit in the Millennium Falcon's cockpit, and you're riding like on a smuggler run. Yeah. It's, it's, Is it's that the so one where you push all the buttons and you have to like participate? You're definitely participating. Yeah. Ah, see, I don't like that. I didn't like doing that. I just wanted to watch Did the you screen. do it? I did, oh, but did I, I felt like it was distracting. It is. And, and like, I don't want to be paying attention to buttons on a wall where I don't get to see the screen. That's true. And then miss out on so much of the beautiful fucking experience of sure. the screen. You know, sure. it's like, that's the one thing I loved about the previous ride where you sat in the kind of the big theater thing. You're talking about Star Tours. Star Tours, yeah. dude. I that's love still there. That. Is it still there? Yeah. Oh, damn it. Yeah, I, Star last Tours, time I was there, I didn't go on the ride. Star Tours is, on, is in uh, Tomorrowland. Oh, that's right. That's it's, why. Yeah, it's in a separate part of the park because it's been there for so long. Star Tours has been there a long time. Yeah. That ride, to me, is so much fun. It I is. love it. Star Tours is something that whenever Jen and I would go, every third time, we would we would hop on Star Tours. It's just, it's a lot of fun. I work, dude. Like I said, I got that job at MTI, and that's yep. kind of what took me a little bit away from podcasting in 2016, and then uh, I left, went freelance for a while, associate produced and cut a feature film. Nice, yeah. It was awesome. It was such a fun experience. And then I've gone back to MTI as a post coordinator working for them. And then I worked my way up to producer, dude. I fucking yeah. achieved that in 2019. Yeah. I was I was I was surprised. I was excited. And then I got really overwhelmed. It was something that I definitely entered the big leagues. I, well, I'm not afraid of the big leagues. Yeah. You know, I'm not afraid of dealing with people on a higher level because that does encourage me to operate on a higher level. However, the avenue in which MTI does its work, I'm just noticing is not entirely the way that I think I want to pursue being in the industry. Yeah. You know, MTI is a service-based company and they provide the color correction, they provide dailies, but they they provide services that people who have shows then come and seek out and hire them to do these things for them. 
I'm pretty sure that for a long time I've wanted to be the client hmm. on the show with the show. Even if I'm working for somebody else's show, I still want to be the client that comes into an MTI. Yeah. So I realized that whilst being a producer, whilst in and amongst the the fire of it all. What was like the hardest thing that you had to do when you kind of hit that step? Forming like social relationships with clients. Yeah. Ah, uh, you know, for me, I think my issue was I'm like seeing some of the other producers and the reason that they're so good at it is they're like, you know, hey, Ethan, I'm in your neck of the woods. Let's go grab some coffee or something like that. You know, can I, let me buy you lunch. Let, you know, let's talk about whatever. You know, this that's like very socially out. Wheeling and, and dealing yes. at all times. Right. Yeah. I don't think I've ever felt like that kind of person. And I think that my best chance of success is to be partnered with that kind of person. Mm -hmm. And be the one that's the engine that drives what we're doing forward. I think I've always said that. In the midst of it all being very overwhelming and me not sure how to handle it, my my boss, Barbara, very Barb diplomatically was like, I'm seeing you fucking struggle on all this. Like, are you sure this is what you want to do? And I'm like, yes. And then the second time we have the same kind of conversation maybe a month later. And she's like, are you sure? I'm like, yep. When it happened four times. I was like, maybe I really should be thinking about what if my answer is no? Like maybe she's seeing something in me that I'm not seeing in myself. Were you happy? No. So that would have been, yeah, you would have just been straight up honest. And maybe I need to explore what, what happens if I said no. I'm not happy here. I'm not happy with what I'm doing. And it's not that I wasn't happy. It's that I was overwhelmed, which was not making me happy. Yeah. I wanted to be a producer. I wanted to do well. I wanted to dive in so hard that I couldn't fail. I really liked what I was doing. I really liked the show, the shows. It just, there was a lot and there was a lot that I was not prepared for. And I'm glad that Barbara was so insistent on asking me, are you sure? Are you sure? Yeah. That I stopped being dumb. And just blindly saying yes, because I just got to push through in order to succeed. Was she just like, I knew it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> she was kind of like, okay, I, all right. So let's explore what else we can get done. You know, I've now moved into the dub room. So I'm like doing uh, dubbing and making files and delivering stuff and everything. Yeah. It's like going to the warehouse in the office. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah. The shift I'm on, I like. It's 4 a.m. to noon. So I get to wow. get out at noon and like have a day. And 4 a.m.? 4 a.m. That's such a crazy time I to just, go into work. I start so early. Well, you know, I was actually thinking about it. The other kind of work that I wouldn't mind doing that would have a similar type of, of start time would be like morning radio. Oh, yeah. You know, if I was awesome. on, like, uh, if I worked as a, a PA on the Kevin and Bean show or something totally, like that. Totally, yeah. You know, they, if they start at 5, I imagine I'd have to get there around 4 o'clock. Oh, yeah. Getting back to work at a shift that I'm very, like, I'm, I'm in a much better place me-wise to take this kind of a shift and not let it affect my spirit. Yeah. Even though I know I'm going to be looking for ways to, to get into something else. Yeah, man. I'm, uh, I'm definitely okay with where I am. I mean, speaking of jobs affecting your spirit, I, I worked for Amazon. You did. For five months. So. Dude, I, I will say I was so proud when you did that because it's a very pride-swallowing thing that I know you had to do when you got that job. It was, uh, and I say proud because it's like, dude, Hey man, I sympathize I, fucking, I will do whatever I have you. to do yeah, to continue making art and continue. Like, I just like doing this stuff. 
I'm just trying to figure out, you know, oh shit, okay, I can't pay my bills this month. What do I do? So I had to jump in, get this job. Cause you know, the music licensing world, it's hit or miss. You know, we had uh, really successful stuff this year with Dalton because I produced his EP. Yeah. And uh, it, check it out, Dalton Day on Spotify. But I produced his first EP and we ended up syncing a song, which was huge because last year was really rough. I mean, yeah. license wise, it was pretty rough for me. And, um, well, the honestly, since the last show, uh, you you had a very rough time with music. You've been going oh, through yeah, some struggles, yeah. you know. And Definitely, it's, it's been nice to hear your tales of getting some syncs, stuff picking up slowly but surely. Yeah, we had a really good one with Nature Valley, and they played it during the Golden Globes, which was cool. It was yes. like, yeah, I was, you know, told about it. I didn't watch the Golden Globes, but I was I was told about that. I'm like, wow, that's like what? That's like prime time commercial space. What you didn't watch <laughs> the Golden Globes? <laughs> The thing is, is like those little things happen so few and far between. You know, I've had a lot of luck in music, but the last, yeah, definitely three years have been super difficult. Right. I've been t- doing all these like odd jobs. And man, I thought about if I were to do any other kind of actual job job that I would actually enjoy, like a manual labor job. Yeah. Power washing. I've been like nice. obsessed okay. <laughs> yeah. with power washing videos. Yeah. People power washing cars to asphalt to old fucking brick castles like whatever it's like restoration it is i love watching that shit pretty cool going you know talking about the stress of a job you know it's like because i asked you were you happy doing that other task and you were like super stressed and you said no and it's like man that's the the fine line i'm constantly balancing out here is like how to do all of these things that i'm trying to do i don't know if it's just a personal curse i've put on myself where i'm like I've got a Lego castle going while I'm playing cars over here and I've got my dinosaurs set up over here in a different yeah. scene. And, and then I've got, you know, uh, something outside in the backyard that I'm playing with, you know. So it's just like I've constantly, my whole life, I've just, I have to constantly stimulate myself yeah. artistically. And I feel like I kind of got, you know, dealing with crazy financial shit, taking on the Amazon job. Right. Literally like, that was just insane, dude. That was an insane job. It was yeah. very dangerous. So I was driving for Amazon. I was driving their vans, which I saw when I got to the studio here. Yeah. They were there. One of the vans I've driven was out front, dude. Nice, dude. One of yeah. those big, long cargo vans. Yeah. You are the reason that Amazon Prime can deliver on Sundays. Yeah, exactly. I got hired by Amazon. I worked basically as a seasonal driver where sure. we were driving like rental vehicles. Yeah. I'd be working four days a week. Yeah. But the, you know, they were 10 hour days. Yeah. And I didn't realize that the fucking physical toll that would take. Yeah. It is physically a hard job. Like I didn't really realize that. I kind of knew it was going to be like, cool, I'm going to get a good workout, you know, just get in the swing <laughs> of it. And I actually got good. I was one of the top drivers at Amazon, of course. which is why they recommended me to work for one of the top new dispatch companies. And I, and I switched over and honestly, like the transition was not the pl- most pleasant thing. It was right. nice to be able to drive a really nice brand new Amazon van. Sure. But every little thing was monitored from the seatbelt clicks to how hard I was braking, how hard I was taking a right. Every time I backed up, all, everything was logged. Everything was logged. Yes. Like in a black box. If my phone rang and I picked it up, or even when it rang, it was all logged. So the company knew everything that was happening on my personal device and on the device that I was using from the company. So I you mean, just realize like everything you do, like your driving has to become that much more precise and I and I had to come from this perspective of like I can't overthink all this shit because I am a good driver. There were some bad drivers, dude. The first day I actually did a ride along, I was in a vehicle with this uh, girl who was very scared to drive. 
very scared. And I was fucking like, oh my God, why are they putting me in this vehicle with her? And she was driving so fast and scary. Like she just literally gunned in the middle of this intersection, didn't even look. And a car just comes in and T-bones <gasps> us right in the driver's side. Wow. Thank God we were higher than the vehicle that hit us. Um, everybody was okay. Wow. But man, I was just like, this is the first time after I did all the tests and like all the paperwork, present, you know, PowerPoint yeah. version of the, the job. Yeah. It's, you know, training going into the field yeah. and that, that happens. So I was like, man, this is clearly a dangerous job. Obviously I think I'm a better driver than her yeah. or I'll be a little more aware. And I've never been T-boned before. That job, I was so depressed in it. Like yeah. I, I had to like step back in early October, you know, yeah. I, I couldn't do it anymore. I, I totally get you. Would you like some more coffee, Ian? Yes, I would. Thank you. We have a special blend in the studio. We here. do. We do. Um, the last little thing I want to I want to just mention in life that's happened since we last did a show before we go to a commercial is that I had an addition to the McNanny clan. My brother and his wife Lindsay had a baby. Yes, Sophie Sparrow. She is the most adorable little niece you could ever imagine. Dude, how do you feel being an uncle? I mean, it, do you feel like you have more responsibility? No, not me. <laughs> I have responsibility to pot smoking. To, I, I have responsibility to be responsible to the child, but slightly less responsible than her dad is supposed to be. Yeah, you, know you can be I mean? the cool uncle that's just like, oh yeah, your dad's lying to you. My California uncle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's who I'm going to be to to Sophie Sparrow. However, the thing that does feel different is I can definitely feel that there's another connection to my energy. There's something that you can. You feel a different type of connection with members of your family, people that you grew up with. There is definitely a, another beacon. I'm getting another tiny little signal of, you know, there's a life form that is very close to me yeah. that has entered this world. And it's it's pretty cool. She was born October 2nd, 2019. So it was a great early birthday present yeah. for me. Yeah, man. I, I've got 10 nieces and nephews. Wow. It's a lot. You remember your first? Yes, David. I okay. was like 12, I think, when he was born. Okay. Yeah, I was really young. Okay, right. Yeah, yeah you're I became young, an uncle. You're the younger when one. When I was 12. Yeah, yeah, I get you. I get you. Yeah. Nice, dude. That's awesome. Yeah, and they're all they're all incredible. Like very talented, adorable, hilarious. So, so he's in his 20s. He's in his 20s, yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Nice. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, that's, you know, when I went to visit in in uh November, I mean, she was still very much in a blob kind of phase. Like, yeah. She she was seeing things and trying to process things, but couldn't really process much. You could kind of tell. Um, and the thing that I was thinking was like, I can't wait till even even months from now, when you've got stuff that you can tell that you like or don't like, and yeah. like you've got little elements of a personality, and then you know, to see how she progresses. I'm I'm very I'm very interested to see what kind of little girl she becomes. And the other baby you've acquired is Dennis, right? It's Dennis, yes. Yeah. I uh so I mean Dennis we got a year ago. Dennis is a Chihuahua Jack Russell Terrier. And so he's cute. Three now. Nice. You know, we got him from the shelter. And uh he's very cute. He's very smart. Was he rabid when you got him? No, he was very timid because they found him on the side of the road, I think. I can still see little hints of that sometimes. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. You know, I mean, he's terrified of like garbage trucks. Oh, really? You know, so something happened. Well, who I don't isn't? Know how, well, I Those am. Things are violent. Uh, something must have happened to him when he was on the road. And, yeah. uh, you know, there's there's things that he's... But he's he's definitely getting over those elements here. Um, he loves the cat. He loves us. Dude, watching them wrestle is yeah. freaking amazing. That's fun. That stuff cracks me but, up. But yeah, you might throughout the next, you know episodes uh yeah. hear dennis from time to time hell yeah it's not that not that he's replacing maddie question is is he a menace he is he has a bit of a menace yeah oh for <laughs> sure he loves socks 
And oh, really? He doesn't. He doesn't. Uh, Bill choose. Clinton's cat. He does. He was the president. Yes, he does. He's oh. he's socks is his side chick. No. <laughs> um, he doesn't. He doesn't chew on them to destroy them. He's not like chewing. He will he either sucks on them for the juices. Sit, I mean, he will either sit with them in his mouth, or he'll just like put them next to him. It's like his little passy. It is. It's so it's so weird. But like instantly, it's, as soon as a sock hits the floor. If he thinks he can get to it without you seeing, he's gonna he's gonna That's go get hilarious. it. That's hilarious. Or even he doesn't even care. Sometimes he'll just go for it. Do you buy him like his own little socks? No, and I don't think he would go go for them if they were his. Oh, it's because he goes and he grabs our shoes. Got to have that foot funk again. He doesn't chew on them. He just will literally grab a shoe, place it next to him on his bed, and just go to sleep. He's like he's literally like in a corner right now downstairs with like one of your socks, and he's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> the sweetest of wines, the nectar yep. of my masters. <laughs> the nectar of the big toe is my favorite. Ooh. As if it secretes like a nip. It's like you could tell a different part of the sock tastes oh. different than the other parts of the sock. Dude, that's so bad. Let's uh, let's take a quick break, and we'll come back. We'll actually get into some of the topics that we we <laughs> we have some about. good ones. We do. I think that uh, we'll we'll figure out what we want to talk about, and uh, we'll. We'll be right back. <laughs> what? Do you find yourself dozing off at work? Do you find yourself getting lost in an abyss of your own thoughts? Well, let me tell you something. That's badass. That's badass. That's badass. That's badass. Oh, hey, baby, that's badass. Yeah. And we're back. We are back. Welcome back to the show. Joe's all peed. We have a uh, little studio bathroom. It's called a bucket in the corner. <laughs> it's it's called a bucket in the corner. It's actually a bathroom, but we call it the bucket in the corner. The bucket in the corner. Dude, I came across this uh, Hollywood Reporter article. Yes. That I, it kind of popped out of the weeds to me. Um, I don't typically read Hollywood Reporter, but, you know, yeah. I, I see their shit come up. From time to time, and this one kind of popped out. Sometimes, uh, sometimes uh, sources like this have good think pieces, exactly, as opposed yeah. to ones that you know, or ones that one uses as like a news source where you really want to kind of be really factual about it. And can you trust the Hollywood Reporter? Right. But like exactly. this is this is somebody giving you a think piece of of a topic that caught yes. your interest. Exactly. Nice. Um, this one was titled "Hollywood's Mental Health Reckoning Has Arrived." And this article came out January 15th, but it was in the wake of, uh, oh, okay. basically, I guess, uh, Michael Harm, who was a, a locations manager. Yeah. He ended up committing suicide. Oh, no. Um, so this article came out, I guess, just as a response to a growing, it's probably not growing, it's probably just always been in Hollywood, but like depression and the pursuit of being in the industry and, and kind of the pressures that it puts on people yeah. that moves them into substance abuse and, and depression. Yeah. Stuff, and so, you, stuff you hear about and yet so many people still want to break into the world of. Yeah, exactly. Question mark. <laughs> yeah. As a seeming epidemic of suicides pummel the entertainment world, leaders and companies are responding with innovative answers to help erase the stigma around mental illness and provide help. Quote, I've seen the pain and devastation it causes, end quote. Okay, so the article says, uh, January 7, uh, 2017, 51-year-old UK-based locations manager 
Michael Harm, whose credits included Pirates of the Caribbean franchise, he took his own life in his hotel room in London. Uh, shortly before, Harm sent a note to a friend in the industry describing his work as one of the loneliest jobs on a film, I guess, that specific maybe Lo- franchise or locations something. Locations manager. Yeah. Okay. Probably the first guy on, on scene and the last guy on scene. Well, you know? so yeah. So a locations manager is somebody who is tasked with once the script is written and somebody's broken it down and is like, these are all the locations that we need. They are tasked with in the filming radius of where they're shooting this movie or TV show. Uh, where can we find a location where we're able to shoot that looks like this place or this place or this place or this place. And they literally that's, they, they run all over town, Yeah, you know, and, and, and most likely do it very digitally at this point first. Right. Yeah. The internet, you can see photos, Google totally. street view and all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So you can go to these locations without leaving your office a lot of times, but it's a lot of researching whether something can look like what you want it to look like versus is it actually what it's supposed to be? You yeah. So I mean? you, a lot of, I'm sure traveling alone, yeah. just flying all over the world, just having to be in places by yourself. Well, and logistics and safety and how to get your crew in and out and how to you know, permits and all that stuff. Yes, I can. That's shit. I can imagine it is a a pretty hefty job. Yeah. So essentially like puts this note out to one of his friends about, about it, you know, and then of course he's committed suicide. But, um, in the three years since a tragic procession of suicides have shaken the film, television and music industries, including those of host and chef, Anthony Bourdain, uh, manager, Jill Messick, Comic Brody Stevens, Soundgarden's Chris Cornell, Lincoln mm-hmm. Park's Chester Bennington, yeah. the Prodigy frontman Keith Flint, and D, uh, DJ Avicii. And also, like, you know, we already talked about this, but Robin Williams. I mean, how many people, you know? Uh, the uh, the guy who played the famous Jet Jackson on Disney Channel? Oh, yeah? He did. He killed himself. Uh, I'll keep going on. It says suicides often precipitated by mental health struggles are rising. In 2017, the U.S. rate was 14 per 100,000 people, oh. up 33% from 1999. Oh. Suicide is now the second leading cause of death for people aged 10 to 35. According to the CDC, the highest female suicide rate from 2012 to Wait 20... a minute, wait a minute. Suicide is now... Oh, second leading, but still. Second leading. First is probably heart attack. Right? Tripping on your shoelaces and <laughs> yeah, bumping your chin? You wouldn't think it would be something like like car accident uh no because i don't feel like i mean maybe it is i mean we're reading right here suicide in 2017 well it's the leading cause of death so what is humanity's leading cause of death it's heart failure you know but at 10 to 35 i think there's probably a less less likely chance of that 10 to 35 definitely so anyways uh, according to the CDC, the highest female suicide rate from 2012 to 2015 occurred in the combined fields of arts, design, entertainment, sports, and media. And the World Health Organization states that around one in four people will be affected by mental or neurological disorders at some point in their lives. Wow. One in four? One in four. Wow. Yeah. Mental health stressors can be especially intense for younger workers in Hollywood, says UTA board member Tracy Jacobs. Quote, the pressure to perform coupled with the intense proliferation of social media and the 24-hour news cycle has affected young people in the way that many of my peers did not experience in their careers. Those factors can be overwhelming and often toxic, end quote. Yeah. And then LA-based psychotherapist Ira Israel, author of the book, How to Survive Your Childhood Now That You're an Adult, (laughs) believes that anxiety and depression are especially prevalent in entertainment because the stakes are so high. Yeah. The industry attacks highly competitive people who believe they are playing a zero-sum game. And the spoils of war, cars, 
homes, offices are excessively conspicuous. The power games and exploitation in Hollywood foment countless afflictions and addictions, which I think is so fucking true, man. Wow. It is. Of course it is. Dude, it's like, I'll be the first to raise my hand. I went through depression. I was actually on an antidepressant for three and a half months, and then I got off of it when I started receiving the prescription refills messages and started going, oh my God, I'm not getting on this cycle. I'm not yeah. getting in this cycle. No. You know? Good. Good for you. And so I, I had to take, yeah, I took a step back from that. I didn't even finish my first batch. I actually weaned myself off it because I was like, I don't want to do this. Yeah. I don't want to be like this. So anyway, uh, professor of psychiatry at Newark Presbyterian Hospital, uh, Gail Salt, Dr. Gail Saltz, she basically says many, particularly young adults, are experiencing anxiety or depression, and Hollywood is filled with so many young adults. Clearly, we get that. But there are particular pressures associated with celebrity or striving for celebrity. There is a constant concern that one won't get that next opportunity, and fame is very fleeting. Right. Exactly. You've got you to take it right now when you get it and you know, just keep pushing and pushing and pushing to stay a, a, ahead of your own demise. Yeah. Like, you know, the, like, yeah. There's intense focus on physical appearance, making yes. aging, which is inevitable, the enemy. Um, so getting old is a bad thing in Hollywood, you know? Yeah. Uh, this focus creates a lot of insecurity, constant scrutiny, inability to have failures or mistakes, be private, vocal judgment by others, feeling of never being enough are all highly stressful, and chronic stress can lead to anxiety or depression. Gosh, I mean, yes, vanity is, is rampant here. I mean, when we've got shows... There are some people who have it in their contracts to do beauty passes on them. Like really? smoothing out fucking wrinkles and, and lines on your face. Yeah, absolutely. You I know. think I've taken a couple lines off my face whenever I've done some stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> All the powder nice. under my nose. Oh <laughs> no. my God. No, no, no. So the article continues, Hollywood, though, is making strides in sensitively portraying mental health and storylines and pairing projects with awareness campaigns and resources for viewers as TV shows as diverse as ABC's A Million Little Things, HBO's Euphoria, MTV's Teen Mom, which I just synced a song to Teen Mom. Nice. So there's, I think, this season or whatever. So it's going to be on there. Be careful what you say about Teen Mom. Exactly. <laughs> VH1's Black Ink, Crew, Chicago, and HBO's comedy special The Great Depression have done. Uh, stars such as Taraji Henson, Lady Gaga, Kristen Bell are speaking out about their mental health challenges with some starting foundations and campaigns focusing on the cause, including Gaga's Born This Way Foundation, Henson's Boris Lawrence Henson Foundation, and Awareness Initiative, I Don't Mind. In the music industry, Live Nation, WME, and management company Friends at Work announced in October that they are teaming up with Cornell's widow, Vicki Cornell, so Chris Cornell, uh, to launch uh, tour support, a nonprofit focused on mental health supporting for the touring community, which is huge because I did the touring thing, and man, I knew a ton of people that were depressed for while sure. I was touring. You yeah. know, especially union people. You know, there's a lot of. What do you mean union people? Just well, you know, so. union guys. I mean, just dealing with constant struggles of keeping a job. You know, I guess when you're in the union, you have more security. But I felt like there was a lot of jadedness in the touring world. It really came down to like the the people around you, the people that were building the right atmosphere and stuff like that. Yeah. But um, yeah, I totally, I can totally see that working in the touring industry. Within Hollywood, companies haven't offered much beyond the basics. Typically, three free counseling sessions through an employee assistance program, EAP. Uh, some have upped the benefit, including Hulu. You can do six free in-person sessions per year. Netflix, eight. NBC Universal, ten. And Snap, up to sixteen. Viacom, so, CBS, Sony, and Warner Media have EAP counselors available on site at some offices. Okay, so you can get 
some assistance and there, there seem to be definitely just counseling sessions. Yeah. yeah right. Limit limitations to what's offered and what the company is going to be willing to pay for. Like, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're limited to up to six, okay. So up to 16 sessions, that's like, you know, that's a, that's a lot of sessions I could see that's stretched more than out one a month. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I wonder if that's per year, you think? It seems to be. It says Hulu has six free in-person sessions per year. So I imagine, yes, they're all per year. That would you, that would suck. You only get six free in-person sessions, period, as long as you work here. Yeah, exactly. Oh, my God. Okay. But, I mean, I think that's cool that they do that. Um, I mean, it also goes to show you, man, like, these industries are having to make moves because of the way the industry is and, and they, what it's doing to their employees. And they understand what it's doing to their employees. Yeah, but this like this article, like I thought it was perfect, especially you know you talking about working as a producer up at the higher levels and then dealing with a lot of the pressures of it and then it creating unhappiness. Like yeah. to me, I felt the same way doing the Amazon job. It's like I was in a major depression. Yeah, I got out of it. You know, after I mean, those pills definitely helped. Sure, they are designed to keep you from things that are difficult in your own life. I think that you have enough of a foundation though to have not gotten lost in those taking you out of what was making you unhappy. They just allowed your brain to like not have to think about the stress long enough for it to be like, Oh, I know what's making me unhappy. I don't want to do this anymore. And you got yourself out and off of the pills that at least allowed you the clarity of mind without you falling into the trap of dependency on them. Exactly. Yeah. And I mean, having the job too helped because a big, a big source of my depression has always come from like, when I, when I don't feel like I have clarity sure, or money. financial. Yeah. Money, yeah. And in this case, it was financial. Yeah. I was so depressed. And, and to be honest, over 2019, the two things that I dealt with, and unfortunately at the same time, were both of those. Yeah. There was very much a, a financial burden that, that caused a lot of stress. And there was also a personal loss of anything that I did that I enjoyed that was just me. That was like my inherentness. Yeah. You know, I enjoyed my life, but there was, there was something that I, and, and I didn't even recognize that it was missing. Yeah. You Man, know, there's no way to know you're pushing yourself. You know, that's the thing that that's what I always realize is like, you figure it out. I feel in those moments of defer, like to me, I feel like when I get in the state of like this, the, the, this headspace, it's just my reality. I've allowed myself to get to, and I have to figure out how to get out of that. Yeah. I don't look at it as like, Oh, this is just my life now. I don't, I don't accept depression. I accept it in a sense that like I've, I've experienced it a lot in my life throughout my life Yeah, and it comes heavier in moments than others, but it is always to me, it's been a marker of like, I've got to get my shit together and figure out how to get out of this situation. You know, it's like a challenge marker. Right. Um, I'll continue with the article. The severity of the issues seem to be awakening Hollywood to the fact that it needs to do more on its own, uh, do more in its own ranks, especially given that these are businesses where the most precious capital is brain power. Quote, mental health should be a priority for all of us, says Mandalay Films' David Hoberman, who suffered from OCD and depression in his childhood. Quote, we need to do anything we can in Hollywood to discuss it and create exposure. Adds Jacobs, I've experienced mental health issues within my own family and have seen the pain and devastation it causes. Like cancer, mental illness is a serious disease that needs to be treated. Unfortunately, there's still a stigma. So here's the thing. Right. What does that mean? I feel like a lot of this article, to a degree, it's like it needs to be treated. Mental illness is a serious disease, but at the same time, I don't think it needs to be looked at like it's it's not AIDS. 
It isn't like fucking a fever. Well, but it's literally a headspace. It's like it's the chemical reaction based on the thoughts. Yes. So then break down the other things that you were just talking about, like AIDS, um, addiction. I mean, things like that. Like those are AIDS is a warping of the way your body is is dealing with itself, right? Yeah. Based on like Well, it's your cells are being attacked. On, on a exactly on a cellular, molecular, chemical level. Yeah. Same with depression. Right. Same yes. with mental anything, mental illness. I mean, it it is I I think it's probably it is correctly classified as an illness. Disease, I don't know what the definition of a disease is, um, but I do think it's something that can come on unexpectedly with people and it can be debilitating. Debilitating Definitely. in in just as debilitating a way as a cancer or something like that when you know it, it stops you from being able to do the things that you do in your life that make you you. Um, yeah. You know, de- depression leads to a lot of behaviors and feelings and emotions that, you know, might, well, I don't actually remember what I was saying. Uh, it's, it, the, the sirens kind of distracted me and I, I lost what I was, the, the point I was trying to make. So are you the Manchurian candidate? Beep, beep. Yeah. Yes. Yes. That's me. <laughs> that's me. I'm a project. What's it? What's the project called? of a new American century? MK ultra. Yeah. Pro- <laughs> I just think that these t- these subjects, like whenever they pop out, because I, I'm also there where I'm trying to understand depression because I know for me, a lot of it, and I've talked about it on different shows, but a lot of it stems from just growing up and exposing my, my mind to more of the realities of what's going on in the world. And, right. you know, even reading this article, they talk about the 24 hour news cycle, uh, you know, paired with social media and then paired with, if you're a person that has this entrepreneurial spirit where you're like, I want to start a business or I want to do this or whatever. I want to be an artist. There's a constant pressure of needing to figure out as soon as possible who you are as a person. So you can step in front of that camera or, or, you know, post your, your product 100% confidently with knowingness you know, there's this constant pressure seeing the rest of the world around you putting out their shit. Yeah. So it's like, oh man, I see this one artist, this songwriter that's able to do videos every single day. And I'm sitting there going, I don't have that stamina. I don't have that mental stamina to do that kind of repetitive shit every day. That is madness to me. Sure. But, but- I see how it's working for that artist because he's got, you know, two, 300,000 followers and growing. And so I see that. And then I go, hmm. What is my thing? So it's as a person that's trying to find your own obsession, yeah, and then putting out the right content. I, I see that as the biggest challenge for an artist is that, and then you get. I, to me, that's where I get depressed and go. I don't fucking know. Sometimes I don't know exactly how to write from my goddamn soul. Sometimes because I'm so used to writing commercially, or I'm trying to come from a different headspace. So I sometimes have to fake it. You know. I get you. I mean, I at work. I put myself in a in a role and and had a focus that was going to be very much climbing my way up an established system. And it definitely changed my brain and my my way of thinking away from anything that had to do with me like building myself up in my own way and there's nothing necessarily wrong with either way of looking at it. Yeah. But I I found that I kind of, you know, suffer from the same kind of inability to 
be dual in in the way I'm trying to pursue things. Yeah, and I, I I didn't like that. And depression, it I I think a mild form of depression kind of came into my head because of that, because of my inability to have uh, an actual outlet for myself. Yeah, this is such an important thing because I I know so many people that are trying to figure out how to cope with their depression. I feel like a lot of the artist friends I know in this town deal with some form of depression. Like seriously, people that are serious in their shit, you know, and I, and I don't know if it's like a growing pain thing. Cause like when I read articles like this, I'm like, these are very successful people, you know? And I think with like Chester Bennington and Chris Conor, there's some, you know, I'm a conspiracy guy that loves all that shit. Yeah. And, and there are definitely some compelling side notes to their deaths that I wouldn't necessarily say 100% these guys committed suicide. Right. There's some fishy stuff around those. And so I don't know, you know, this, this article is basically saying they killed themselves. The conspiracy states that they could have been knocked off. So that's, that's a whole side (laughs) thing. Sure. Yes. But, but we're, I guess we're, we're reading this article from a particular, from, from from a a particular standpoint. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I get you. I get you. So, and to be honest, at the level of a Chester Bennington or a Chris Cornell, how could you not be experiencing depression? I mean, I imagine that that even if you are doing exactly what you want to be doing as far as being an artist and expressing yourself, that it's probably got to be draining to give that much of yourself. Because if yeah. you're being authentic and you're expressing who you are, then you're releasing all your energy. And as as an audience picks up on on that and they like it, they're like, give me, give me more of Joe, give me more of Joe, give me more of well, Joe. I think and that's suddenly, like the, there's no more Joe left. I think that is the thing is like, if you're an artist out there, you're constantly trying to figure out what to focus on and what you want to be doing. For some artists, they're able to just do it and they just know their focus. They know exactly what they're doing. Um, but for others that are trying to d- discover themselves, which I feel like I've been kind of on that journey where I, I part of me is like, maybe I should have just been an actor because then you can just, your whole life, you just take on other characters. Yeah. <laughs> because I feel like a lot of times I'm trying to discover who I am still. You know, I, I know I'm in my 30s and it's like, I feel like a lot of, even getting older and having a, a perspective of time and how quickly time goes by and, and how you sit there and go, man, I have these expectations of myself and I'm at the, this is how old I am. So like, man, it's, and then when you like reference time and you go, man, five years ago when I first moved to LA, I mean, imagine if this was the year I first moved to LA and let's skip six years ahead now, yeah. how old am I then? And you realize how quick that time goes and really how little time we do have here, even though, it is a lot of time, but it's really not, you know? So it's true. What do you want to accomplish on yes. this planet, you know? And how quickly do you want to experience and be in those shoes in the moment? That, that part is where I, I have a harder time jumping over the hurdle of that. How quickly do I want to? Because I don't think about what I want as being a part of the decision. Uh, I decide that that's what I want, but I then assume that the process will dictate how long it takes. Yeah. And I, I do forget that sometimes at least half of that decision is on me as well, because I can decide to fucking do the work and, and you know, put my head down and just do it however long it takes until I get my recognition. I work my way up through the ranks or I've noticed this, too, like in my own life. Like if I had the guts to maybe ask one person about something or ask for the job that I really want or, you know, like make it known that that's my goal, somebody else might be like, Oh, well, yeah, come on up. Yeah. You know, and so it could, so I could say that, you know, I could want to be at this particular level in a couple of years. And 
then talk to people as if that's what's going to happen and, and be brave and approach people. And I could make it happen. Yeah. I think but I, I think, don't think about it in, t- in the time. Yeah. No, it's that action that I think magnetizes all of your future desires into your presence, you know, right. future shit. But it's like, you know, I, I just feel like the plight of people out here are having to basically dodge and duck through the political subjects to just not really probably not even understanding who the hell they are. You know, we're going to talk about personalities and stuff like that, like dealing with, you know, like what kind of personality becomes depressed? What type of person? And it's usually people who are workaholics. It's people who are so ego driven that, I mean, honestly, man, I would say as much as I, I, I don't like the idea of being that kind of selfish egomaniac. Yeah. I feel like I'm here because of that. I feel like I'm in this town because I have a high expectation of myself to perform and and I'm I'm wrestling this wild beast the whole time trying to figure out how to ride this dragon of mine that this body I'm in this this personality I'm, I I have the experiences that I'm tr- still trying to unfold and and level out and being a professional you know in all these different industries it's like it's kind of maddening it's crazy so when do you notice that depression creeps up most regularly because if what you're saying is true like what kind of personality type gets depressed i would be willing to bet that there's not one personality type that gets depressed it's what is your personality type and what ends up missing from your life that your personality type that's important to your personality type that's missing to then cause depression yeah it's one of those subjects that always, I mean, I've dealt with it personally for, you know, the last several years in and out. And so I'm kind of becoming more familiar with facing that part of my personality and, and what gets me to the state of being, de- uh, you know, hitting depression. And then I think it's just so important, you know, to, you know, we're out here in LA, we're around, I mean, we're in this, so I see it. And, you know, I, I feel like it's important for us to like, you know, especially with when someone else opens up to you and you, you kind of hear their shit. Yeah. It's like, I think it's important to have those kinds of uh, exchanges because, you know, going, okay, what is this, what is Netflix doing for their employees? Oh, they give them six sessions. uh, You know, so it's like, okay, we as people are responsible to have more than a limited session to be able to like communicate our problems. You know what I mean? I think it's so healthy to like, be honest. Like I love whenever I share where, how I'm feeling with other people, right. even if I'm embarrassed, because I would rather be like, "Oh, dude, everything's gr- oh man, shit has just been insane." And I think I'll be in those head spaces. I just think I have to be so impressed by a, a reality or or experiences, yeah, that it takes a lot for me to get to that level of like en- enthusiasm. So yeah. I'm still constantly like, you know, watching things with a little bit of a of a side eye you know well, yeah i mean that's that's why i think our show was such a such a thrill for us and and such a benefit for us because we were talking to each other and that's kind of what therapy is you know therapy yeah. is trying to wade through your thoughts and behaviors and kind of understand more about yourself and i think the two of us have an understanding of elements of the world in a in a similar way to where we could kind of navigate this maze through this haze definitely uh you know and that's 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 another big reason why yeah. we did the show to begin with. And and kind of ironically, something that was a very positive sign when you brought it up at, at this point in my life, I'm like, yes, doing that 
doing it in a more focused and intentional way is something that I know will at least put me back in a in a positive, upwardly mobile headspace of my life. Yeah. Yeah, I just so. feel like any, any anything that pushes you to create and feel like you're contributing artistically to something, I think is extremely important. Right. We'll be right back. Bong, 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 bong. Do you ever wonder where all the birds go when they die? Do you ever wonder what it'd be like to take off your helmet in outer space? Have you ever wanted to scream in the middle of a busy grocery store when things aren't going your way? Well, let me tell you something. That's incredible. 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 Oh my God. Sorry, Captain. I, I've never fallen asleep like this. I, I apologize. Oh, yo, what, what, what? Um, what's up? Oh, nothing, sir. Never mind. Thanks for joining us. Oh, on hi there. Uh, we got Joe's test results back, and uh, it's, they're not uh, looking good. It's not looking good. I right. think as an artist and going, man, as we continue forward in this industry, I just want to be careful as I navigate to not fall into those traps where it's like, dude, even in success, people are fucking depressed in this industry. So it's like finding those supporting relationships. Right. You have to be vigilant of the people that are around you and, mm-hmm. and of the things that you do and what you put into your head and into your world and into Definitely. your life. And you know who seems to have not done that very well? Uh, Barbara Bush. Uh, President Donald Trump. Oh, yeah, he's not popular at all. Well, I'm talking about uh, thanks to a show that we've talked about on our show a couple of times, uh, Congressional Dish. Shout out Jennifer Briney. Yeah. Um, She broke down the impeachment of President Donald Trump in a very digestible way for me uh, because it, if, I mean, if the world doesn't know at this point, President Trump has been impeached. But what yeah. does that mean? It just means that the House has deemed him unfit to be president. Yeah, they're kind of going through the process of a trial. So, well, right. This is this is just starting like this week or, or late last week, mm-hmm. right? Um, yeah, it's he been in, going on for a long time. So. Well, the impeachment process has begun. It, it's been going on since like September ish. I think that's so, when they yeah. that's when they announced that they were going to start a, an inquiry into some things having to do with Ukraine and a phone call and quid pro quo. You right, know, which is something I'd heard. I'd heard that phrase first a long time ago, and then never heard it again. Well, they they talked about how there was a quid pro quo, where because it was basically money being held up from Ukraine aid but, money. But then they released Military a transcript aid. of the call. That's right. what Trump did. He was like, okay, if they're gonna make a bunch of shit up about it, which is what he did, is he just dropped the transcript. He did. And I listened to different people pick it apart, and it was pretty fascinating, man, to like see the polarity between people trying to make something out of it and yeah. people who are just like, this is kind of a normal conversation. There's nothing here. It seems like it's a very run of the mill political kind of conversation. Um, it, it was essentially the Ukraine president gushing over Trump and like kind of nerding out a little bit. I, I learned through listening to congressional dish that the president of Ukraine is a comedian. 
It's like electing. He came uh, up with, did I do that? He did. It's I'm just Jaleel kidding. White. No, he didn't. Um, <laughs> That'd be fucking he's, hilarious. He's an actor. He's a comedian. He played the president on Ukrainian television, and that's who they voted into <laughs> office. He's he's at least got an interest in the doing the job, and and you know he's very experienced with stroking yeah. an ego. Yeah. So the whole, you know. well, the the interesting thing that I have been following because I definitely follow a lot of like uh, open source journalists. Yeah. And so I kind of just watch their work and see you know what's unfolding as it's going because I don't, I don't personally have time to like. I don't like, I'm not the type of person that will go and read a New York Times article and go, oh, that's exactly what's going on. Exactly. I've never been that person. No. So I, I, I'll see that stuff and then I'll see what's on the news yeah. and I'll hear clips from, you know, other people's podcasts and, and, you know, YouTube videos and stuff. So I'm like seeing what's going on in the news and what people are saying, but actually following the narrative has been very difficult because I've been so uninterested. I'm so like disillusioned by all of this shit. Um, I guess have been being so interested in it for so long. I've kind of just like, I'm at this place where I'm like, this is going to unfold. I cannot wait to see it all unfold because I've kind of been outwardly spoken about like, there's something fishy going on. Yeah. And you know, like for instance, the Vladimir, uh, Zelensky, uh, he shrunk his kids. Yeah. He's the new president. The previous president was basically put in there because of a coup. Yes. Which that was uncovered which set a lot of people up financially. That's that's the whole Hunter Biden thing with the with the company over there, Burisma. Well, and it's it's a big reason that the aid that was being held up even exists. Yeah, and then there's because like because of this new government that was installed. Yeah, and then the did you hear the audio of uh, of Joe Biden at the Council on Foreign Relations? I did not. Basically talking about how how he committed a prid quo pro whatever, where he basically said, you know, we're not going to give you money unless you do this. The way you listen to him say it's like, dude, that's like that's exactly that's what they're the saying. Heart of Donald everything Trump did. going on in this, like, to me in politics, that's those are the things you don't normally get to hear, you know? Right, and that's the exact same thing that Donald Trump is being accused of doing. So you're saying that there's there's actual video of Joe Biden saying this? Oh yeah, and there is a transcript of the call that well, Donald it's Trump. Audio. I don't know if there's well, video. I heard audio. There is of recording it. of Joe Biden saying this, and there is also a transcript of the telephone call. Yes, that. Donald Trump had in which he's being accused of saying almost the exact same thing yes. that Joe Biden said. And I don't see that at all. I went over, I guess, the 12th, 13th time to Kiev, and, uh, and I was going, supposed to announce that there was another billion-dollar loan guarantee. And I had gotten a commitment from Poroshenko and from uh, Yatsenyuk that they would take action against the state prosecutor, and they didn't. So they said they had. They were walking out to press conference. Said, "No, nah. I said I'm not going to. We're not going to give you the billion dollars." They said, "You have no authority. You're not the president." The president said, "I said call him." <laughs> I said, "I'm telling you, you're not getting the billion dollars." I said, "You're not getting the billion. I'm going to be leaving here." And I think it was what six hours. I looked. I said, "I'm leaving in six hours. If the prosecutor's not fired, you're not getting the money." Well, son of a bitch, <laughs> got fired, and they put in place someone who was solid. At the time, one of the things that that he's being accused of is holding up military aid uh, and, and and aid. As far as I'm understanding it, it's it looked like things like missiles and like actual things. It's right? all stuff that's overflowing 
because of what the Obama administration did Correct. over in Ukraine, Correct. which is all on the record now. It's the policies that were implemented by the Obama. The, it was a regime change. We're still doing. Yeah, they did a regime change. Put who they wanted in that position because they were doing all they wanted was to literally get Ukraine to buy and trade and 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 basically make money off of the people of Ukraine. That's essentially all they were doing was setting up a government that all the corporations could come in and make money off of all these people and then have people that they could slap around in, in political powers. You know what I mean? Like close, the U S is very Russia. good at that. That's what we've done for a long time. This country has been responsible of, of meddling with other countries politics. And yeah. so they did that in Ukraine, set all these people up and now all the biggest, loudest fucking advocates for, you know, Trump, you know, uh, having a, quid pro quo or he's he's withholding the aid money and yeah and even after the president comes out twice saying that was never a part of it like he never did that right he's come out on the record saying that yes but I, an intelligent community of people and an intelligent house of representatives would hopefully responsibly not take him at his word yeah and, but and that's the, that's the president the of but that's all they can no, because if, no, they've got proof. That's what Jennifer Briney right. went through. Is literally everything that they're saying he did. The evidence that shows no, that's not what. Oh, yeah, that's yeah, yeah, not yeah, what yeah. has happened. Right. So they they don't need to just take Donald Trump at his word, and they shouldn't. No, and I shouldn't either. You right. Know? And that's that's why I was I've always been very hesitant to talk about this impeachment as yeah. it's been going on with people, for instance, up at work, because everybody up at work has a very similar mindset about this whole thing. Mm -hmm. At least the ones that are that talk about it. There the are ones a that lot watch of, Rachel Maddow and CNN and no, no, just necessarily just just the people who will talk openly about it. They all kind of have the same views, and I'm like, okay. And I'm willing to bet that the people who don't talk about it don't talk about it for a very specific Definitely. reason. In the sense of they want to keep it one to themselves, but two, they might have more open and and educated thoughts and opinions about what's going on. And that's what. That's what listening to Congressional Dish kind of gave me is it it gave me a timeline of what is being accused of having happened and pinpoints yeah. the inaccuracies in what's going on based on all of the testimony that's been going on throughout the entire trial. I mean, she goes through five and six hours per hearing, like pours through yeah. all of these recordings and transcripts and everything. And hearings upon hearings upon hearings like to create these episodes. And so we're getting cherry picked mm -hmm. the important pieces of information to keep in mind, but usually get lost in the haystack of. Yeah. The hardest thing is the timeline. Know, it's, it's keeping up with the timeline. Like quid pro quo. Well, because yeah. these, these things become so old news, like literally no one talks about 24 hour news. Where's Jeffrey like Epstein in the news? Nowhere, nowhere. And that was fucking huge. Yes. What happened with that? It was. And literally, that is not an ongoing story of, of uh, based on the evidence around his suicide. Yeah. You know? Right. No one's screaming at the top of the, their lungs that why were the security cameras off? Why were the fucking security guards lying or not on the job? Or There are a lot of things that just happens to happen that... Throw the Jeffrey Epstein so many crazy suicide things. into complete and utter darkness that we will never be able to recover. Why from. was he screaming and fearing for his life in those reports where he was scared that someone was trying to kill him? This is the Jeffrey Epstein situation is so is so convoluted and deep, and yet not unexpected that this happened because as soon as everybody heard that Jeffrey Epstein, pedophile getter. Uh, of little children for the 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 powerful and elite people was arrested. Everybody's like, 
Yeah. He's, gonna get, he's fucking done. He's going to get offed. And he got offed. I mean, it's not yeah. that he got off. He came in the official story. He committed suicide, but he ended up dead. So yeah. uh, nobody is, is surprised by that. And it has spawned the, the, the usage of his name as a verb in becoming Epstein. I mean, the bottom line is he was in the highest maximum security prison with guards, with cameras, and all of that. Just happens to not work. In that moment, he was murdered. Yeah. Or he killed himself. Yeah. And it's like, I as a person can't accept that anymore. Right. And I don't I don't think anybody really does. I mean, people are making jokes about it on the mainstream about no one believes it. Sure. So, you know, not to go off on that tangent of, of Epstein or anything, but like back but to something the Trump. like this is is specifically designed to take I think to take our attention away from something that's possibly even totally. more important than this. I mean, I've been frustrated with this process because it's like, okay, so Trump basically, his two charges are abuse of power, obstruction of Congress. Right. Like all of this has stemmed though from the Ukraine quid pro quo, yet all of it really has stemmed from him being investigated for Russian collusion. So this is just another thing to me well, where all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is now the new switch. They did a switcheroo because that stopped working. It was yes. literally the Mueller two-year thing. Right. That fell apart because there was nothing. Right. You know, yes, nothing. So, so, so then all of a sudden it's like, oh, well, he's withholding this care package. Well, when you all of a sudden, you know, Jen Briney rips it apart and you, you sit there and go, man, there was a regime change that happened. And the money was going to all these people. Because of this regime Because of change. this regime change, which yes. is, this is why they were doing it. Why are we putting all this taxpayer money over in Ukraine? Right. Well, right. And apparently that's what Donald Trump felt this entire time. Because apparently every new budget that his... Uh, there's a department within his administration, his executive branch of government that handles the budget and gives it, you know, gives his notes or, or his proposals on things to Congress. And every year since he's been in office, his budget has eliminated this particular aid for Ukraine that is yeah. being accused of being held up every year. And he gets overridden by Congress and they still appropriate uh, an increasing amount of money. Yeah. Every year it increases, even though every year he his suggestion is to cut it to zero. So he has not been unfairly targeting Ukraine in in this particular instance for this particular reason. Well, he's been yeah. he's been trying to cut back on unnecessary spending in all countries because there are a lot of other countries that were denied denied aid last year as well. Well, the mind-blowing thing too is like all the people that are the loudest advocates for his impeachment yeah. and you know going after him basically yeah. are all people that are benefiting from these care packages. Yeah, they have a personal vendetta against somebody messing with their benefits. Yeah, and, I, and I've just kind of got, I've come to the conclusion personally where it's like, okay, all I'm seeing is this storyline that stems from the DNC leak of Hillary Clinton's emails, all that shit. Yeah. It's not stopped since then. And, no. well, from Trump winning the presidency, DNC leak, you know, Bernie's previous campaign being Im- infiltrated. Yeah. This has been a continuation of that same story, but the story started way before this. And well, so this is just literally the, the, the corruption that, that has been exposed, in my opinion, by the FBI and them literally going and creating these FISA warrants, withholding information that they should have put in these FISA warrants, yeah. but didn't. Yeah. And then trying to like act like they're, oh, it was just some missteps. Yeah. I don't, I don't think that that's, I think that's crazy. I, I have such a high standard for 
the way that they were able to spy on Trump's campaign, what was exposed, yeah, and how all of that shit is the biggest news in history. It's the biggest news in history because it's showing the American population what the intelligence agencies are willing to do to protect their own people that have literally worked their way into positions of power. And now Trump's just come in to fucking expose it all because he's like a CEO guy. Right. He's a business guy. I don't like him as much as the next guy. I don't really give a shit because I think they're all the same type of person on their knees to Israel doing all that stuff. And so I just kind of look at them as kind of this. They're all under some weird control that I don't fully, fully know what that is. Sure. But it's something that's beyond them. But what I do see is the Democrat Party has exposed themselves because of this guy. He came into office, behaved the way he behaves, and it's exposed an even worse body of people that I I literally had no fucking clue it was this way. He he has not had to do a whole lot for the Democratic Party to look worse and worse the the longer his presidency has gone on. Even though he he does make himself look look dumb. And he does kind of make the world uh, probably view elements of America differently than they did when Obama was president. The Democratic Party, in my opinion, has shown a very ugly side of themselves, especially with this impeachment. Because like you keep saying, it goes back even further than, than Trump and his election. But I think the fact that he has now been impeached started with the fact that people are just they're shocked and hurt and upset and you know, baffled that he even won. And so they're like, we got to get him out at all costs. So when they couldn't do it with Russia, they went next door to Ukraine, found something that they were able to pull up two kind of very interesting charges. You mentioned abuse of power, which is, is kind of him quid pro quoing aid and a white house. Yeah. Which Biden again has admitted to, he did it. Sure. So that's one. And the second one is obstruction of Congress, which, according to to congressional dish and anything that I've kind of read, spawned by that, um, the courts, the courts should have handled that. Right. The, the obstruction of Congress was him defying and advising his whole like cabinet and staff and everybody around him to defy the 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 warrants of the House of Representatives on the impeachment hearing. Right. right. That's the big. That's one of the problems, and the courts should have handled that. And the courts could have handled that because something this important would have been moved through at a fast pace. But it still they still could have had a decision by mid-December on the courts saying, no, you have to go to these subpoena you know, hearings and you have to testify right. or not. And then she and, with, withholds the articles of impeachment until Well, but that's what that's what I mean. Then when they didn't want to wait for the courts, they just put it in the articles of impeachment. They were like, he said he's not gonna come and, and testify in these subpoenaed court subpoenaed you know, hearings, then out of office. And it's like, that's not how you handle that. No. You deal with that by t- sending it to the courts and letting a court tell him he has yeah. to or say, no, sorry, Congress, he doesn't have to. Yeah. That to me is already like, okay, that's out. And then the fact that abuse of power through all the 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 strings that she, that Jen Briney kind of attached for me, it wasn't Trump that was tying it to the announcement of an investigation into Biden. It was Rudy Giuliani. Yeah. And it was the people that kind of surrounded Trump doing it, probably not even under his own direction. And that's the thing, too, is like, watch any old gangster mobster movie. Yeah. You protect the fucking boss. It's, it There's was a not- layer and layers and layers. And again, whether, whether he did that or instructed that or not, here's, I think the reality is 
these people know what the Bidens are doing. Yeah. They know that Hunter Biden was on that company board without having any previous experience ever in the field that he was even on, you know, working for this company, getting right. paid the amounts of money he was getting paid. Yeah. It only happened because of that regime change, yeah, which was un uncovered because of Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. and the shit that she did and, and Obama. And so because of all this stuff, these people know this. And so they're going, he's, he's, trying to run for president this guy's literally trying to run for president and this is this is the kind of person he is this needs to be investigated and ukraine is already doing it yeah so it's like what quid pro quo is really necessary well and it doesn't you if, know if you read the transcript that's not what it says apparently the the line that people keep referencing is the quid pro quo line is is as such i'm reading from the transcript here i fucking hate that word so much by now donald trump says i would like for you to do us a favor though because our country has been through a lot and Ukraine knows a lot about it. I'd like you to find out what happened with this whole situation with Ukraine. They say CrowdStrike. I guess you have one of your wealthy people, the server. They say the whole situation. I, I think you're surrounding yourself with some of the same people. Like it's, it's these kinds of things. He's asking for an investigation Yeah. into what was, what, what's happened. He doesn't mention what's the, what's the name of the company, which to me, it's like, that's kind of the powers I, I would have expected of a president, yeah. like to literally be like having those kinds of phone calls. If if there's somebody that's doing things that they shouldn't be doing, I would expect when the president is talking to another leader to be like, you need to take care of this on your end. This isn't our job to well, come in here and do that. This is what happened over there. Now you're in position to tell me. Yeah. I mean, previously on the phone call, Zelensky was stroking his ego. You know, I mean, that's that's kind of what you do. This is like the first phone call kind of a. An office. Know. Yeah. Um, and the last line before Donald Trump starts talking about doing us a favor, Zelensky is talking about, uh, I would also like to thank you for your great support in the area of defense, which is this military aid that's being talked about. Yes. We're ready to continue to cooperate for the next steps. Specifically, we are almost ready to buy more javelins from the United States for defense purposes. Javelins are defense missiles. Okay. Buy. He used the words, we are ready to buy more Javelin missiles, not be given. We are giving Ukraine aid, giving them aid. They're not purchasing aid from us. That, no, that would make even less sense. Right. So the fact that he's talking about we're almost ready to buy these missiles from you implies that... When the money hits the bank, We've only to buy these from you, not we're glad that you're willing to give us these things. And yeah. then Donald Trump says, I'd like you to do us a favor, though. Because if Ukraine had said something of, we're looking forward to the aid you provide to us, and Donald Trump said, I'd like you to do us a favor, though, that implies that he's talking about the statement that was just made. Right. About aid and right. missiles. He's saying, well, okay, that's all great, but before you go ahead and buy missiles from us, let's get your shit all figured out first. Right. You know, that sounds to me a little bit more like... When you and I are having a conversation, you've kind of gone off on a different kind of tangent. And I'm like, well, no, wait a minute. Let's go back to what we were talking about, though, first. Mm -hmm. And that sounds to me kind of like what he was doing in this instance. Yeah, same here. The aid that was talked about was properly distributed before the, the deadline. So there was really no abuse of power. There, well, were, there were investigations going on into foreign aid anyways and how beneficial it all was. Like, there was a lot of stuff that could have held up What's this so aggravating to me about aid. all this shit is like... Despite all of this, everyone's still ignoring all the facts that have been uncovered because of it. So now everyone's like, oh, Biden said these things? Not getting a billion dollars. Biden's son was on this. Oh, my God. Now you get all this evidence 
And no one's even screaming about it. No. So because they're celebrating they that want they people got rid to, of Trump. Got rid of Trump. Well, they're literally chasing, in my opinion, a fairy tale. Yeah. And they're just creating stuff to distract people. Like we're just literally seeing it in real time and it was exposed. Well, and and the internet possesses all of the, the individual mind pieces and clues it. that you can one can figure it out what really happened for yourself. And, I, and one should. I feel like I feel like what's happened is we've been given the ability for the hive mind to go crazy and it did and all of this stuff is now being watched so hawkeye like people know yeah they're connecting all these dots now the the timeline now makes sense when you can figure out who specific oh you didn't know this investor because he didn't have a wikipedia page well he does in the last 5 years yeah. because he became a fucking multi-billionaire or whatever right. and all of a sudden you're like where did he come from and you can trace it back and you get all their it's like a hive mind thing where this situation i'm hoping when it goes to trial, it'll just put everything on the record and people will go to prison for it. Because I, I really do feel that so many crimes have happened for so many decades that this is just another thing exposing why, you know, this is this this is one of those pins in the story where it's like yeah. this impeachment happened because these people were exposed. Here's what I think is going to happen. Because there's not a snowflake's chance in hell that Donald Trump gets removed from office by so. a Republican-controlled Senate. There's no, no way. So he's not going anywhere for the rest of his own term. I don't know what it's going to do with his with his chances for re-election. I think he's going to win. I, I honestly he, I do. I think he might. I mean, and luckily we're in a year where we're doing the show. Unless we'll, it's fully we'll rigged. To do a show. Unless they fully crack down well, on the well, electoral college situation. I mean, yeah. No, fuck that. Crack down on the electoral college situation. They should have done that four years ago. No, but I'm There's saying There's no like, way they could do it that but Yeah, fast. but here we go. I mean. There's no way they could. No. Joe, are you kidding me? How big of, a, of an undertaking would it be to overhaul the electoral college It's those system? who are, it's those, I don't know. No, it's not. It's not that simple. It would have. It would take four, if not eight years. I guarantee you. Well, I know that Pelosi and Adam Schiff do not want Trump in office for another four years, and I, I see this as their attempt to prevent that. Well, they've done it. They've Be done their part because they have candidates who are implicated in crimes, and yeah. it's well, crazy and that's, that's what's the being other exposed, thing. man. I to go back to what you said, the people who are pushing for it the hardest are the ones who stand to look bad because of the stuff that, that actually went, went down. Like people are calling this election meddling. It's really not. It's more campaign meddling. Cause he's not, he's not, we will still get our ballots and still be able to put our opinion down as to who of these candidates. I we do want. think it is meddling. Not in the elections. In I think, the campaign. yes, because I think, I think whatever happens now, just like a commercial. Yeah. Whatever is being crammed down people's throats. Yeah. That affects the long term, because people then get fatigued and they may not pay attention to whatever the facts become. They're so programmed by believing what whatever lies were happening. Sure, and I get so, that. I get that. But that's isn't is that not part of playing the game? I versus, think so. It, it versus, is. But I also I think it's a part of the game that should be recognized as a criminal uh, offense. If you're like propagandizing people, dude, well, I think is a fucking criminal offense because you're literally people how. With who's, propaganda. Who's being, the Smith-Mund Act. Have you ever looked into that? No. They changed a law called the Smith-Mund Act that literally protected the population where the news media couldn't... They, they didn't allow the U.S. government to, pro, to use media 
platforms and propagandize. So the the media had to do it in other ways over all the years prior. Mm-hmm. So they did it. They did it with movies and like certain ways. They would figure out ways to do it, but they couldn't blatantly lie like the media is doing right now. Yeah. What we've come to see in the media yeah. is because the Smith Munt Act was amended, and they basically allowed the U.S. government to propaganda. Go look it up. Smith Munt. I think it's Smith Dash M U N D T Munt okay. Act. Okay. And so. They allowed the U.S. government to propagandize the population. So that's why we're seeing, in my opinion, that's why the media has become so out of control based on when I put it up against open source journalism and, and mainstream media, you see a radical, radical difference because people who are coming at their journalistic uh, integrity from a place where they're truly trying to prove themselves as someone with true integrity, they're not mm-hmm. getting paid by anybody. Yeah. They're literally doing this on their own because they care about the truth and they care about seeing some sort of justice out of things that are being exposed, you know? So it's like that kind of thing plays a big part of why I I definitely have a disdain for mainstream media and go, man, these are just paid monkeys doing the job. (laughs) And literally they now have the ability to propagandize. Yeah. You know, and then that's why people put all these like clips together of all these different media agencies saying the same exact things. I am Fox San Antonio's Jessica Headley. And I'm Ryan Wolf. Our, our greatest, greatest responsibility, responsibility is, is to serve, serve our, our Treasure Valley communities, the El Paso Las Cruces communities, Eastern Iowa communities, Mid Michigan communities. We are extremely proud of the quality, balanced journalism that CBS 4 News produces. But we are concerned about the trend that is responsible one side of our country. The sharing of biased and false news has become all too common on social media. More alarming, some media outlets publish these same fake stories without checking facts first. The sharing of biased and false, false news has, has become, become all too common, common on, on social, social media. media. More alarming, some media this is extremely dangerous to our democracy. 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 This is extremely dangerous to our Yeah, exactly. Where does that come from? That's what it is. Yeah. And so... The smith deck. So to me, I just... Whenever I see what's going on in the, in the mainstream and it's like, you know, living in LA and being like, okay, hey, I'm by no means a Trump supporter. Like, like I don't get... I, I, I'm not in this... I don't like these team games anymore. I'm over it. I cannot stand. Yeah. I, I believe in the truth being exposed with politics to actually work for the people again, you know, I think that that needs to be wrangled in. Like that's a, that's a very real situation. I think humanity in general, no matter where you live, the governments are getting too big. They're getting too greedy. They're allowing corporations to get away with murder. Mm -hmm. And now they're using surveillance systems to track everybody and control people and and manipulate them. And and I think that's a real situation that I, I think needs to get nipped and it needs to be exposed the way it is. And and I feel like this is just going to be another part of that process of like exposing what's been going on through, you know, the process. It's very Literally. possible. Like I said, the Democratic Party has not needed much help making themselves look vindictive, sour, gross, unappealing in my eyes. You know, yeah. they they Donald Trump is is an oaf, but he's but you can't deny, dude, the guy is yeah. an entertainer. Yes. He came from Hollywood, well, New York, 
but he he well, did the Hollywood game. He yeah. fucking did the TV shows. He loved like I've watched old interviews with him, and look whether you love him or hate him. To me, it's like he's a business guy. He's a CEO. He's yeah. a fucking business owner. He's yeah. there to make money. And to me, I go that's what he did in his position. And he he built his campaign saying I'm going to clean a swamp. What is that swamp he's talking about? Yeah. And I think what's rising out of that fucking goop. We're watching it, and that's what he was campaigning for, and that's why people voted him in. And honestly, I think the Democratic Party is really hurting themselves because they're disrespecting people that don't fucking like who they are and what they're what they're doing. And we're just getting to see the the levels of the game that they're real willing to cheat codes on. You know, some somebody mentioned that for them, the moment that Hillary kind of stumbled irrecoverably in her campaign was when she started using that phrase basket of deplorables unrealistic you could put half of trump supporters into what i call the basket of deplorables calling american people voters a basket of deplorables and lumping them in oh yeah with this very hateful phrase and and i'm like well yeah i i i I imagine that's a fucking that would turn me off her too if it wasn't that famous quote of her we came and we saw we saw (laughs) he died (laughs) it's like oh my god yeah she's a psychopath so i'm i'm gonna watch the election with you know my my same kind of removed curiosity but you know i'm i'm definitely i've got a, a much more wide open view of kind of what's going on politically and and what really is and is not worth making a fucking hubbub over like the things that they have have said are impeachable offenses i think are laughable in my in my honest opinion and i mean if anything the senate's never going to remove him if anything i think the bigger story is why the fuck joe biden is still in the race because that guy is literally being exposed of all his crimes or at least his corruption. And it's, it's like, it's not why is none of this on. being, I know, why is none not. of this? I, I think the levels that, you know, when a government is used to go in and fuck with other countries and set them up for the businesses yeah. to just make money, to send packages their way so they go buy all their war machines yeah. and put money in these fucking, yeah. you know, people on the board's pockets. Like that stuff has to stop, man. Like that kind of business ethic, I think is toxic. And that goes back to like, talking about the personality types or what you expect of others doing the right thing to me, man. It's like if, if you, and then, and then think of all the people that are like, Oh, well I invested in Raytheon or I invested. So they try to like stay a little bit distance, but you're still supporting them. So there's a company that has unethical practices. In my opinion, if you're doing that kind of thing, it's technically legal in the game because people are getting away with it right now. Right. Right. But it's because the media is not exposing it, which they should be doing because the people would not, I think the average person, when they really see that, they're it's like gross. Yeah, like what the fuck? Well, right. I mean, people are not exposing it. The media is not not reporting on it. It's just like the House of Representatives could have sent the master at arms to Rudy Giuliani's house and literally handcuffed him and right. dragged him to fucking Congress, which they honestly they should have done, but they didn't. Nobody did, and it's for the same reason that you were just mentioning. If they did, that would expose stuff that would possibly make the American people be like. Oh, so what kind of weird shit are you into, Nancy? Yeah, exactly. You know, so no, it's all laughable, and I, I, I kind of am looking forward to you know with a little bit of popcorn, uh, looking forward to twenty twenty. I mean, we are in the year. This is what a year to restart the podcast. Yeah, I know. You know, I mean, yeah. I know we're our plan is to do one episode a month. 
because once a week was was kind of what was overwhelming to us at the moment. Yep. So so we're gonna do kind of a once a month type thing. Do some more planning. Do some more like intentional content. Give you a longer show, which. Yeah, full disclosure, we're we're approaching a three hour record. Time. I know this is like we've, this we've, is new, but you know how many how many uh, Joe Rogans have you listened to that were like three and a half, and that's like kind of consistent. I know? get really excited when I see a three and a half yeah. hour episode of Joe Rogan. Yeah, I'm like, ooh, yes, they really they get, get in it. They yeah. get going, man. I love so, that shit too. Yeah. Um. So, uh, 2020, just to kind of wrap it out, wrap out the show. 2020 is upon us. Yes. Uh, we're you know we're kind of deep into January, January 20th here. Uh, where we're recording this. Yes. Um, but, you know, we'll kind of, uh, what do you want to have, like, achieve in, in 2020? Like, what's, do you have any goals? Yeah, I mean, I have, you know, I've got short-term goals, which, you know, I'm thinking of wanting to switch my PRO, which is my performance rights organization. Yeah. So I'm with a company or an organization called ASCAP. Yeah. What's and the PRO? It's basically my publishing, so I register my music through them. Okay. okay. And so if I need help or if I have issues or whatever, they kind of collect and protect my performance rights royalties. Okay, cool. So I'm wanting to switch, I believe, to BMI. I've been wanting to do that for a few years. Um, I think a publishing deal would be badass. I'm, I'm, you know, it'd be nice to just work 100% on music as much as I could and not have to, like, hustle other jobs. Right. And I could just stay focused on, you know, the music aspects of my life. Are which you I are you intentionally love. pursuing a publishing uh, um, deal I, at the moment? Yes, in, in a way I am because it's I'm working in the studio. You know, I'm writing, and I'm working with uh, several producers on projects that are all different. And but you don't necessarily have uh, anything being pursued at the at the moment as far as like, oh yeah, I'm actually chatting with with a, an agent or with somebody I'm talking or, to or a few ma- yeah you? I am talking to a few um record uh, labels syncs uh sync managers and <laughs> yeah people working for labels and stuff like that I am talking to people that are like managers and and A&Rs and stuff like that nice okay and so good. I'm basically building the materials I can send them yeah before cuz I don't really want to release everything right away like the songbird singles I'm putting out doing it but like as far as uh, a lot of the, the commercial stuff I'm doing and and some of my future releases, like I'm working on an album right now. I want yeah. to finish that album this year is my goal. Nice. Um, that's another goal. Speaking but, of goals. Yeah. So I want to be able to pitch that album and get people excited about it that may have an inside edge. Nice. You know? And so I'm trying to meet people like that because I want to work, you know, I want to work with badasses that are fucking stoked about what I'm doing because I, I want to feel like my work has a value, you know? Yeah. Versus just you know, working at this specific level, you know, I've been there long enough. I'm kind of like ready to go level up, bitch, level up. For sure. For sure. Um, I want to do another music video. Nice. Yeah. Um, I'm ready to do another music video. I don't know what the content exactly would be, but I'm ready to like get in that headspace and then execute it with, you know, a team. Um, I want to be more focused and organized with my businesses. Um, that's something that's a, a good thing to strive for. Yeah, definitely. I, I need I need that. So trying to be I'm trying to keep my uh beacon open to meeting more business managers, people that can like give me some good advice or um potentially find a right manager that could take over and help me like manage what I'm doing because it's yeah. fucking madness. Okay. Um so so releasing an album, finding an avenue for your music as in a publishing deal. Yeah. Finding a manager. Those yes. are all those are those are three fairly tangible things to to achieve in the year. Yeah, and then I have like, you know, health shit. Like I want to be better. I want to do more hikes. I want to eat better. I'm j- I kind of want to try to quit drinking coffee. Okay. Um 
and I want to maybe try to quit drinking alcohol. Do you, do you find yourself? Do you find yourself more likely to achieve your goals if they are more general or more specific? Like, for instance, I want to you know try and be healthier in the way I eat versus I want to try and stop drinking coffee and alcohol. Which are you more likely to do? Over like overall, impre- anyway. improve your health by eating properly or cut out coffee and alcohol as like specific elements. I feel like I use them as vices. I, I you know, I, I don't think I'm a, I mean, I think I'm a coffeeaholic as much as I'd be an alcoholic. Like I kind of have a thing where unless I'm doing like I have a project or a session or something, I rarely buy alcohol and bring it home. Yeah. So I just feel like the substances that I, that I use, I could set them down but the consistency that I'm using them, like I've been smoking weed like a lot, yeah. you know, for years. Yeah. And so I kind of sit there and go, mm, I mean, somebody from the outside could go, yeah, you have a fucking issue. But I also think I could put it down if I wanted to. Yeah. Could I? <laughs> uh, anything travel based? Anything? Uh... I mean, I want to visit family. I want to sure. go to Guadalajara and see my sister, Melissa. Oh, yeah. Dude, who just congratulations, Melissa. She's uh, published in a book called Nasty. Nice. It's basically <laughs> stories by all these amazing uh, female writers. Sure. And so uh, she got published by them. And then they also like, fuck, man, they invited her to just submit a manuscript because they'd be like stoked to represent her if she has a manuscript. And they're nice. based out of Portland. They're a publishing house and they're killing it. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. So... Um, anyway, visit family. Okay. Yeah. So that, that's exciting. Um, I don't know. I'm just like excited. I think this year is, I want to be more in control of my career than I have, I think in the past, I feel like I've been a little out of my mind and I'm just coming back. Like I'm still coming out of the fog of like dealing with Maddie and moving and depression and all these things that I think I'm still coming out of that haze, but I'm excited about this year and, and, just the hard work I put out, man. Like I've, I've worked fucking hard and yeah. I see all my weaknesses. I know them and I, I want to minimize those this year. And nice. if that includes alcohol and coffee, I hope I can get the strength to do that. And I think I do have that ability because I've done it before. I think you do. Yeah. I, I'm incredibly excited about the, the glimpses of clarity that I've already seen in this year. Like the last couple of weeks of 20, uh, 2019 into the first couple of weeks of 2020, I have I have made myself be a little bit more disciplined, mm-hmm. focus a little bit more on myself and what it is that I want, and I was able to come up with with some goals that I think are are definitely hittable. Yeah, they're just gonna take they're gonna take some time as far as uh, me, you know, walking the path, figuring out the right steps to take. Walking the walk, bro. Walking the walk. Uh, <laughs> double or triple my savings. Yes, that's nice. that's one of my goals because I I had to utilize a bunch of my savings last year just for expenses and things like that. So. Uh, what level it's at right now, I would like to at least double, if not triple, if I can, you know, by, by chunks of extra money that I can make and just put into savings as opposed to having to live off of and stuff like that. Um, my weight, I'd like to get down to 160. Nice. You know, where are you at right now? If you don't mind telling the audience today, I weighed 173. Gotcha. Okay. After the reset and at my lowest, lowest, I weighed 165 pounds, 164 pounds. And that was right before Thanksgiving. You know, that was early November. I was at 165, nice. 160. Man, the holidays, dude. Everyone's just like feasting. It did. It did. My highest over the holidays, I was at 179. <laughs> I fucking gained I fucking gained like 15 pounds. But was that with food in the belly? I don't think it was with food in the belly, but it was after a after a, a long night of of 
feasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and a and and like a single morning deuce. Yeah, I hadn't taken the double deuce yet. Oh shit! So you kind of balance the skills just a just, just a little just bit. A smidge. But yeah, 179 was my mm. was my weight uh, at the beginning of this year. And you know, I've I've gotten back on the train of, of so about fifteen in, pounds. Intermittent 14, fasting and, and everything has been really good with kind of me helping keep weight off and and get my body to a place where I feel the most energetic and kind of the most righteous. Yeah. So yes, fifteen pounds from a roughly this point is kind of the goal. How are you going to tackle that? What's um, your plan? Well, I mean, the ultimate reset is something that I might consider doing again throughout. Mm-hmm. You know, at some point in the year, maybe later on in the year, maybe kind of just get a get a good pattern of of overall health uh, under me right mm-hmm. now. Cause <clears throat> meal prepping is something I've integrated in the last, uh, couple of weeks again, um, which has saved me time, money, and, uh, you know, keeps me eating meals here. Yeah. Um, and then riding my bike. I've been riding my bike three times a week again. Your Harley, my, my Harley, my, <laughs> my, my chopper, um, your bicycle, my bicycle, 10 miles. And, uh, nice. you know, it's, it's been good. That's what's been helping me keep, you know, take weight off again, yeah. you know, um, Fuck and yeah. you know, my overall flexibility and conditioning and fitness is something I kind of want to, you know, that all incorporates into the, the weight, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as an element of fitness, but, uh, you know, that's that's kind of something I, I know nice. I can, can take control of and, and be be on top of. So I'm going to do that. Um, OK, yeah. what are your other ones? I want to be stable in my job nice. because last year was very unstable as far as, you know, being You've been there eight years, man. Come on. You are stable. Well, I mean, <laughs> and, and I, I even mean stable in my work because I, yeah, I, yeah. I wrote work in parentheses yeah, yeah. as in I, I do need to be pursuing my work. I know right. I need to work in order to make money in order to live. Yeah. But then I need to utilize all the time that I'm then being afforded because I can live in my apartment doing the work that will hopefully eventually transition into being the thing that pays me. That's always the dream. That's always the goal. I do think that we can achieve it. And there are things I'll talk to you about off air that we uh, we should we should look into as well. Perfect. So really, I just kind of want to understand where where I'm headed, you nice. know, work wise and, and where, you know, job wise um, make friends. I'm not the most outwardly going social person, so I definitely want to have. What's wrong with our friendship, bitch? Well, it, I mean, that's the thing. Like, I Just want kidding. to recultivate a, a regular friendship with you, with Martin, with Steve and Stacy, um, and, and and meet new people like this Ben guy that you keep talking about. Um, there, there are elements. BS. Of, shout out. There's, there's a, there are elements of my shyness that I kind of want to get over, and I'm I'm choosing to tackle that big mountain with the the single goal of like. Try and make some friends. Yeah. Try, and, try and have something that that you do or that you incorporate into your life that might, as a side effect, result in, oh, a new friendship. Awesome. Yeah. Totally. You know, that's how our friendship really got off the ground was our commonness was was podcasting and being new to Los Angeles. And and then we realized all these elements about each other that were like, oh, damn, yeah. He's awesome. Hey, I'd been here a month. You I kind of had a lay of the land already. You did. You okay. scoped it out. I knew you were like, this is exactly where you shouldn't park, but I'm going to forget to tell oh, you in that. Bro, the 134 at 6.15 p.m., bro. <laughs> uh, and my last goal is to be creative. I mean, Fuck I definitely, yeah. and I made a mind map of, of like bullet point goals and stuff like that to try and reach some of these bigger goals. Nice. But being creative. The podcast came up after I wrote that goal, by the way restarting the podcast so uh you know i'm already i'm already getting on top of hell yeah one of these goals yeah man i think that's the key is like i feel like you know if we rewind the clock and we say yeah we're that eight-year-old us sitting here in front of microphones or whatever having this conversation it's like 
all we'd want is to be making stuff and be talking about ideas and be talking about like, what the fuck is this about? Oh yeah. shit. I didn't know that about that movie. I didn't know this about this character. I didn't know, you know, Oh cool. I didn't know this ride was open at Disney. You know, it's like, these are things that you just do. And I think they become, as long as you can maintain, you know, finding ways to do the things that you really enjoy. Yeah. That's going to bring a sense of happiness and fulfillment, you know? And I think that mitigates depression. Yeah. It does. Really do. Uh, so to finish up, dude, who would your ideal guests be? We're, we're going to try to try something because we, we tend to invite people on the show. Ideal guests, I would love to pick her brain or at least I feel like she is a great resource. Her name is Tracy Beans. Okay. She's a uh, independent uh, in researcher. And she kind of uh, does open source research. Nice. And so I've been kind of following her work. She has a podcast called uh, Dark to Light. Okay. And she co-hosts it with a guy uh, named Frank something. I can't remember his last name. But uh, they have a good dynamic together. But they basically go through... I've, I've been listening to them for the past several months. They're just one of the shows I listen to. But I, I've been listening to them kind of pick apart, you know, all of these things going on, you know, with uh, the impeachment and, you know all these hearings that have been going on, they're kind of helping me understand what's going on by yeah. presenting the uh, kind of non-bias. They do definitely, you know, if you, if you put them up as a show compared to Rachel Maddow's perspective, yeah. they're completely polar because, you know, they are trying to get to the bottom of the truth. So they do present things as they are. They don't fucking sugarcoat and pontificate, yeah. you know, theories and make that real when yeah. it's not. So they're kind of whereas, trying to... Whereas Rachel Maddow is is definitely within a, a box and and has, has bumpers right. around everything she could say. And this, this is, is extremely, extremely dangerous, dangerous to our democracy. There's someone throwing all the cookie treats out and there's someone going, who's fucking throwing these cookie treats out? And these are unhealthy cookie treats. We, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, these are bad to eat. You know, there, there's people... These have a skull and crossbones on them. Exactly. I think she would be a great guest. Um Tracy Bean. Yeah, Come Tracy Beans. And I really like her personality. Who who would be your pie in the sky celebrity like uh go nuts guest that like you know that were that were known First for. guest would have to be Jim Carrey. Nice. Okay. Yeah. Jim Carrey, please come be on the show. Yeah, I would love to like I would love to just sit with him for an hour show and just, you know, however much time he's willing to give, but just be able to sit and like talk about the industry, talk about his life, talk about his quest and journey and like and and because we're all artists and and it would be interesting to kind of, you know, even talk about what we're all experiencing the same way we're talking about this politics stuff. Yeah. It's like most people hate it. And I understand why, because it's so abusive to your psyche, your psyche. It, yeah. ma it makes you sad. It, no one likes it. Yeah. It's a very negative thing yeah. that it's become. And so just looking at it like that and going, fuck, what is this monster in the room? Yeah. And you, it, that's the easiest way I can go, man, I could sit with Jim Carrey and you could, we could try to understand reality together. I mean, with anybody, you know, it'd just be interesting to hear someone who's seen the industry from such a iconic position in my eyes, Yeah, you know, when to him, it was just his career. He was just doing things and then realizes, oh yeah, this was a big fucking movie. Nice. You yeah, well, yeah. Right. Exactly. He, he did. He seemed to stumble onto a huge career. Huge. <clears throat> Humongous. Um, I would be very interested. My practical guest would be, one of these, one of these guys in the in the chief uh, positions uh, at a place called Resonate Recordings. Uh huh. They're a podcast studio out of Kentucky, but that's, I mean, they they are, I would consider kind of a big brother to what we want to do with Elf Tree. 
like oh, cool. where we are at the moment. Like nice. they, they have a, a full blown company with, uh, you know, dozens of employees and they provide podcasts. They have an FBC. What's that? A full blown company, full blown company. <laughs> they just FBC. They do. They've got an FBC. Yeah. Um, that, uh, you know, has all these employees and all this, you know, they're what I would consider to be a fucking legit setup. Yeah. They like I mean? built themselves from dust. They did. They, they are an accredited company. Whereas we are, uh, two guys who do our work very passionately and well, and dream of, of having a facility of this kind, you know, at some point growing to that, that nature. Those are, those are some of our goals. Yeah. So I would really want to talk to, to them in a mentor mentee type ship. That'd be amazing. Yeah. You know, as, as possibly a future segment of the show. That would be amazing. So that's, that's something I I think I'm going to pursue as a practical kind of guest on the show. Heck yeah. And then my, my pie in the sky guest, you know, uh, I might have to go with Donald Trump. Oh, that'd be great. Actually. I'd be very interested. Just, just because not because I think I'd get along with him or anything like that, but I just, I have, I would hope different questions than most people would ask him. And I would ask them wanting to get different information from him than most people would want to get from him. Um, and I, I don't think I would be as critical as people are, you know, I, I mean, I just, I think I would do a, a, an interview with Donald Trump in a far different way than anybody else would. And I'd be super curious to see it. Yeah. I th- it'd be it. fun to ask honest questions and just be like, you know, what do you think people like based on what is being published about you and what's being exposed about the process that's that that he's going through? Yeah. Like how much of that is he paying attention to or how much of it is in the bag where they know that's just such a fucking non-issue? Yeah, exactly. He's just having to address it because people are on edge like a sporting event and there being no announcer, you know? <laughs> We, we could sit down and give him a personality test. Totally. We could, you know, just be like, really? Why, why, why do you keep looking at Twitter, bro? Yeah. Like, let's, let's, let's turn it off. He's let's, tweeting during the show. Are wow. you really wow. this, this in depth and, and offended by stuff or are you, are you literally pulling our leg? Yeah. Like that, those are the kinds of things I would want to craft a, an interview. That would be, you know, along, along those kinds of lines. So well, maybe one day we'll work ourselves up into the, uh, the ranks of, uh, uh respected, podcasts and we can get somebody as a heavy a hitter as uh maybe maybe after he's out of office or something dj trump when he's back to you know tv show deals yeah yeah exactly we'll have a tv show at that point hopefully, we can have uh, him on our show definitely hopefully he won't joaquin phoenix joker us that's true did you see the movie i did oh, okay yeah. yeah i mean you know what happens oh yeah get what you fucking deserve. pop goes the weasel and the weasel goes pop sorry bob yeah Bobby De Niro. Bobby De, uh, Bobby D, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, RIP Bobby D's character. Nah, well, had to Spoilers. Happen. Yes. If you, yeah, if you haven't seen it. So, uh, thanks for coming over, man. Dude, yeah, man. Elf it's, Tree. It's fantastic. We, we're back in action. We talk a big game about the stuff that we're going to do. I, I feel like I'm in a place where I want it differently than I have wanted it in the past. And I, I want to do things in a different way to achieve these goals. Yes. Because I think the goals that I've set out for myself are definitely achievable, and I want to do them via the stuff that we've set up. We spent years setting up this company, the podcast, the platform. Yes. Um, I think I think we need to dust it off. Definitely. And we are. We are dusting all this shit off. You guys can't see the cobwebs, but they are being removed as we speak. Yes. Yes. No, I'm excited, man. I, I definitely have big expectations this year, and I think that, um, you know, I'm going to do my best to like stay focused and, you know, 
try not to get so uh, anxious, I guess. Yeah. I get way too anxious. And I, I want to be better about that this year and like figure out ways to, I think, meditate and like put myself in a neutral space so I can concentrate. Nice. You know, that's yes. my biggest goal. Ooh, be still. Be still. Yeah, I get it. Yeah, for sure. Dude, yeah, this is dude. Yeah. Great. Great episode. We're we like, said it at the same time. It's like we were on a first date and we're just embarrassed <laughs> to part ways. We both reach for the check at the same time and um, it's like, oh, it's so cute. No, I'd retract my hand and be like, um, he's paying. Oh, yeah, you're going to pay. You, yeah. You, you should yeah. probably. You, I mean, you've invited me. <laughs> I mean, yeah. we're in your house, right? Yeah. Um, we got we got some rusty wheels here. We um, got rusty wheels and rusty squeals. <laughs> rusty squeals. <laughs> for this month on High Dare, I'm Ian. And I'm Joe. And, uh, can I do one more uh, rum and coke, please? We, we gotta, gotta go. go. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even drink that. <laughs> on Twitter at HiDarePod. And get your ass online because uh, HiDare.com misses you. Right up with you and Joe. <coughs> on HiDare. It's better than cereal. No, not the podcast. <laughs> you know, Adnan. <laughs> Find out if Adnan is guilty only on the Elf Tree Podcast Network. <laughs> I'm kidding. He's totally guilty. <laughs>